I'm going to sidetrack from our series we've been in. This verse has just been resonating in my heart for the last, probably this whole week. And I, I just find myself meditating and thinking about, about it throughout the day. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Say, God is good. You know, we say it, but I don't think we even fathom the goodness of our Heavenly Father. How much He loves you. How much He loves you. How much He loves you. Just not when you're perfect. Just not when you've got it all figured out. Just not at your best. He still loves you, even at your worst. For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, John 3, 16. Mm. Say, He loves me. Shout, he loves me. me. Look to your neighbor and say, he loves you too. too. Before I get into the text, you know, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, the love of God is so important in your position of righteousness and destiny and receiving from God because, and you notice, we see that from the flip side. We have the kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. When When you sin, the devil attacks what? Your, your position. He puts guilt on you, he puts condemnation, and convinces you that God doesn't love you anymore. And there's a lot of people who go to church feeling tolerated but not celebrated by God. Amen. And I'm not saying you can live any way you want. No, Romans 6 very clearly, we don't use our freedom to live in sin because it brings us back into bondage and prison. But I want you to know that you are loved. Amen. It is so important. It's connected to your identity. Here's just a little sub, sub-thought. Because when Jesus was being tempted by the enemy... Every temptation began with the question, if you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God. Why? Because he was trying to disconnect him from his destiny, his identity. But you know one thing he he didn't even include that I just came across recently. Because if you go back just a few more verses into the prior chapter, and the Bible wasn't written in chapters and verses. We have it just so we can do as a point of reference. Right before the temptation, Jesus was baptized. Remember that. And after, when he came out of the water, the Bible says the Holy Spirit, like a dove, came upon him. Now, the Holy Spirit's not a dove. It's like a dove. And it said a voice from heaven came out and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. See, the devil's so afraid of you knowing how much God loves you. Even when he was tempted Jesus, he didn't say, if you're the son of God. He should have said, if you are the loved, beloved son of God. He wouldn't even include that. Come on, somebody. Have you ever felt like or been in a position in the rhythm of your life of, well, you know what? I'm glad I'm going to heaven, but I think I'm going to be squeaking in because I just don't think God loves me. That's the enemy trying to steal from you. Something happens, find, find children that know that they are loved, they act different than the kids that feel like they are hated. Just lift one hand and just say, thank you, Father, for loving me. Amen. Verse 6 out of Hebrews 11, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he, that he is and that he is a rewarder of those of them that diligently seek him. I want to talk about why is faith important? Why is faith important? We're not talking or referring to what people might say is when they come and say, All right, what faith are you? Are you Protestant? Are you Judaism? Are you Catholic? No, no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Hebrews 11 refers to the faith that comes out of the word of God revealed. But why is faith important? Because here we see in this verse today I want to talk about, without faith, without faith, it is, talk to me church, it is what? It is impossible. It is impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now if you ask most Christians, say, hey, do you want to live a life that's pleasing to God? Absolutely. 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 We refer to what we call the John 10, 10 dynamic life, which is because Jesus said the thieves come to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. We define that as living a life that honors or pleases God. Living a life that honors God and glorifies God and impacts your family, friends, and neighbors. 
because it's just not about you. Can I get an amen? amen? If all you do is pray for you and live for you and do everything for you, you'll find out that you're missing a quality of life that's available to you because it's just not about you. Walk in the love of God, you'll find that God so loved that he gave. Why? Because for the benefit of other people. We begin to live our lives of what we could do to help people. We start feeding people for their benefit. We start encouraging people for their benefit. We start witnessing to people for their benefit. We start praying for people for their benefit. Not for ours. You know, and that takes time to, to get it out of us. To be quite honest, in the church world. It's like Israel. God can get, he can get Israel, the people of Israel, out of Egypt. But it took a little longer to get Egypt out of Israel. And too many times, even in the church world, where our motivation is not love, our motivation is self-centeredness. We do stuff that looks good just for our benefit, so people either respond to us or praise us or clap us or applaud us or, or think highly of us, and all of a sudden we do stuff that looks spiritual and our motivation is not love. And 1 Corinthians 13 is very specific that if you don't do it out of the motivation of love, it's irrelevant. I remember the first time I, in my own prayer time, and I was praying, God, use me to pray for the sick. And I found myself about 17 years old. I was going through a grocery store. I've shared this before. And I'm thinking, Lord, use me to pray for the sick in church. Music playing behind me. Atmosphere set just right. But I found some of the greatest miracles don't happen in a service. They really can happen outside a service. When no one's singing, no lights, no camera, no people, no, no applause, purely you just being available. And so I'm walk, going through the grocery store to get something to drink. And I'm just running in and running out. And I don't know how you shop, but when I shop, I like shopping fast. I don't like spending the day looking. I want to know I'm going in. Praise God for Amazon. I mean, I can click it, push the button. I mean, they even got things now, if you don't even know, let me help you out in technology. They got a little button you can buy on stuff that you might need. I mean, trash bags, you, you buy this, put it by the empty trash bags, no problem. Don't even have to get online or the app. Push the button and it'll be there in two days. It's a beautiful thing for those of us who don't like to shop. Some of you will shop for trash bags, you'll spend two days. You're reading the ingredients on the trash bag. Who cares? It's a trash bag. I like to get it, get in, get, just, just buy it, get it done, get it over, get, get out of there. And if there's ever a crowd, have you ever done this? Especially like if you ever go to Sam's or Costco, some of these big, I mean, you, you're like, oh, I'm getting through fast, and all of a sudden, then you get to the place of checkout. Even the self-checkout, people are reading the labels. You, you already are in the line to buy. If you don't like it, take it as a loss, just go with it, just don't. No, no second thoughts now, baby. You've done it. You're committed. You're holding me up. And I, I was going through the grocery store, and I was just getting something to drink. And as I go, sure enough, there's a lot of people. And I'm like, oh. I, don't, I tend not to be patient all the time. Or should I say most of the time. And so what I do is I start looking for the shortest line. And I've seen a lot of people wait in long lines. It's like a bunch of blind sheep. And there's two empty areas. Yeah, I'm, looking. I'm not going to follow what they're doing. I'm going to find a faster way. And if I can't find a faster or shorter line that's faster, I'll look for the fastest employee. Right? And cashier. I'm looking for somebody where I hear that beep like it's a, like their favorite song. Beep, 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 Except some of those people get in line and they're going... I've gotten out of short lines to get into longer lines. Because I went, beep, beep, beep. And that person's going to get me out. All I have one is thing. And I'm waiting in line. And I, I almost lost whatever I was going with this whole story. I don't know. I love you all so much. I feel so comfortable. I just feel like we're drinking coffee, just chatting here. And so, and so I found myself in, in this line. And I'm just waiting. And the guy in front of me turned around and said, hey, how you doing? And I just said, fine. How are you doing? And he began to tell me about his doctor's report. 
Oh, that could do good. It just came from the doctor, and they're saying this and yada and all this bad report. And I'll be honest with you, I, I, I'm thinking nobody cares. <laughs> Isn't there should be a book out there on social etiquette? If someone looks at you and smiles, you say, and they say, "How are you doing?" I was taught to be polite. You look them in the eyes. You repeat, "I'm fine." How are you doing? It's like. It's like playing a game, right? They pass you the ball. How are you doing? Now I got the ball. I look. I smile. Fine. How are you doing? And I throw it back. After that, the game should be over. I don't know you. I don't know you well enough for you to tell me you're... And as this person... Come on. Don't look at me that way. You know if you've done the same thing. And as this person begin to tell me their whole story about the duck, I'm thinking, why? Am I being punished here? I just wanted to buy something quickly. And it's like in that moment, the Lord reminded me. It's like I heard my prayer. Isn't it, isn't it cool how the Holy Spirit can do that? I can forget what I did yesterday, but the Holy Spirit can remind you exactly. And it's like you hear it. It's just like brought back to my memory. I'm reliving it. As I heard myself praying, Lord, use me to pray for the sick. Because it doesn't have to, what we do for the Lord, is, it's not a matter of trying to get the accolades of people. If all you want to do, I've had people, oh, God's called me and he's gifted me and, and I, I want you to, and I'm new to the church, but I want, to, I want a top position right now. Well, I don't know you. I love you, but I love Jesus and his sheep too much to let any person I don't know in a position of influencing people. And I, I'm just honest, I'm nice about it. I'm not, but you know, we just don't let people, we just don't let anybody jump in because sometimes people's motivation's wrong. If you can't, if you're not faithful in the little, why should you be faithful in the much? And it's, everybody wants to jump to the much. We all want more. Or you should. I, I, I just believe in supernatural spiritual growth. You know I mean? Every time God's blessing us, I'm like, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. But, Lord, I'm still believing. I'm using my faith in that next season, that next level. I want to see more people saved. I want to see more people touched. I want to see more people healed. I want to see more people fed. I want to see more. I, 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 you know I mean, we, there's, we got a whole thing that we're praying behind the scenes that I'm praying for and that staff and I are agreeing with and praying for and believing for. It, 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 we don't want next year to look like this year, but we want it to be bigger and better. Amen. Because we, we serve a God who is more than enough. Not for our accolades, though. Not for our attention. And a lot of people do things just for their own, their own ego. And that's okay. Usually I find that people that do that and talk about themselves a lot, usually they're just very insecure and they just need somebody to encourage them. You, you want to let them get in there and tell the top ten people they've been around and how famous they are and how celebrity and just say, you are just wonderful. Now can we move on to something that's more real? But anyway, we just love people where they're at. But our motivation is important for what we do. So it's not, it's not trying to do stuff just to look good. God wants us to, to, to be good and be secure in that. Because if we don't understand his love for us, then out of the insecurity, we will do some weird stuff. And we love people, even weird people. Come on, somebody. But don't let weird people throw you off because, you know, typically in the process of time, especially here at Hope Church, the weird people either get resolved or they move on. I mean, I don't know why that works that way, but we're, we just love people and let them know weirdness doesn't fly, and we don't promote weirdness. We promote realness. And so the, the motivation of what we do is so important. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we're not trying to, it, it, it's a matter of one day when we get to heaven, we all want to hear him say, well done, that good and faithful servant. And so if we want to live a life that honors him and impacts other people, a life that pleases him, then we can't exclude this context of faith. And faith just doesn't fall on us. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't. You have to go after the things of God. You have to be hungry for the things of God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe. He that comes to God. I want to stay right there for a second. He that what? Let's throw that verse up and we'll keep it up there for a while. He that 
comes to God. We'll do a little different today, media team. I'll just leave that verse up the whole time. He that comes to God. He that comes to God. He that comes to God. Now, I've seen, again, I've seen God do some amazing stuff outside of a service more than inside a service. He that comes to God must believe that he is. How many times have you walked or talked or found yourself in a conversation with somebody and you knew they weren't saved and, and they just threw at you, oh, I believe in God. I was at a, uh, at a public pool a couple days ago with my family and uh, I was minding in my own business and there was this guy there. You know, it's like sometimes the Lord recruits you and you didn't ask to be recruited. I'm like, I'm trying to chill out of here, Jesus. I need to... I'm taking a day off, just I'll see you Sunday. Don't work that way. And this guy came over and started talking to me. And it wasn't so bad that he just approached me having a conversation, is that he wouldn't leave. I don't mind talking to people. Again, I don't mind saying, hi, how are you doing? I'm not a chatty person. Some of you are like, you'll talk to a tree for an hour. You'll be like, you'll have conversation with everybody. That's just, that's just not my natural temperament. I'm like, I'm polite. I don't know, maybe I, I need etiquette issues <laughs> resolved in my own life. I'm back to another story about me not talking to people. And, and, and I don't know if it was because I was like in the, I'm very in a box mentality. I think most of us guys do that. I'm not in a, a stream, you know what I mean? I don't think of everything, I'm in a box. I'm in the box, I'm hanging out with family. And so this guy approached me, just start talking up a conversation. I guess he was bored and he thought I needed a friend. I don't know what he was thinking about, I don't know what he was thinking it wasn't so bad that he was chatty, but the fact that he was half drunk, now it made it a little weird. But hey, anyway. And the reason I knew he was half drunk was not just the beer in his hand, because he said, I think I'm half drunk. I mean, so it's just, at least he knows. I, I think that's the first sign of a problem being resolved, right? You recognize that you are done jacked up. You're messed up. So he's talking, and I'm just being polite. I'm just answering, mm -hmm, listening. I'm just the way I was taught by my mom. You listen. You don't be rude to people. Smile. Eye contact. Yes. Okay. He's just telling me a story. He told me about, you know, he's retired and what he did for a living. I know, you know, I mean, he was in the military one time. I knew that he was a teacher in a public high school for something. He was just telling me everything. And once again, I found myself standing there talking to somebody thinking, why are you telling me this? I was just like being polite. And then he says, so what do you do? I want to do, I'm swimming with my family. That's what I do. You know, you got to be careful when you're a pastor and tell people what you do, because all of a sudden the conversation always changes. And I just say, oh, I'm a pastor. You're a what? I'm a pastor. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, then they try to totally change. Then he starts to, I'm, you know, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you were a pastor. I've been saying some cuss words. And he was dropping some cuss words. I thought he was a sailor. You know what I mean? The way he was cussing. I just. He, he's like, oh, I'm so. And all of a sudden, they're real apologetic for what they are saying. I'm like, oh, okay, no problem. No problem. Not offended me. No problem. You know what I mean? I, I don't get offended at people that say that. I don't want to hear it, but. You know what I mean? I feel like uh, a dog's going to bark like a dog. Cat's going to meow like a cat. A sinner's going to talk like a sinner. You know what I mean? I don't expect people to be something they're not. I just, that's why I believe in reality of what Jesus will do in our heart and our life. And so he was, he just, oh, I'm so sorry. And he just began to, I mean, go into that whole thing. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I don't go to church or anything. You know what I mean? But I'm a believer. I think I'm going to go to heaven because I believe in God. All of a sudden, he's super spiritual, half drunk, <laughs> chatty man at the pool. And I'm like, Lord? <laughs> and so I, I just begin to say, you know what? You know, it's about a real relationship with Jesus. It's just not about I believe. Because the Bible, and I told him that, I said, you know, I said, I'm not trying to convert you. I said, I think everybody has a right to go to hell or heaven. It's your choice. I honestly believe that. I'll tell you, if, hey, if you're sitting here and you want to go to hell, you don't want to go to heaven, we, we love you. 
God loves you, he'll never override your will. In fact, God loves you and loves your choice so much that when you die, he'll send an angel to make sure you make it to hell. To hell. He'll walk. Wow, it got quiet. You going to heaven or hell is your choice. Your grandma's not going to pray you out of hell. Oh, I'll die and then someone will pray me out. No, that, that, that don't work either. Once, it, once you're dead, it's over. That's final. And I said, you, you know I mean, I said, so I'm not trying to, told him, I'm not trying to witness to you right now. I, I just want to throw, I said, you're a very intelligent person. You're, I mean, a professor in college, a high school professor for most of your career. And I said, let, let me just throw this idea of food for thought. I said, the Bible says that even demons believe in God and tremble. He said, you calling me a demon? I thought about it for a second. I had to size him up real quick, and I knew I could take him. He was old, and he was drunk. I could have taken him at the pool, and no one would have believed it was the pastor drowning the guy in the pool. So I, I knew I could take him. But, uh, but I thought, no, I, I'm trying to win this guy to the Lord. And I, I said, no, I'm not saying you're a demon. I'm just saying maybe there's something to think about. If it was only about I believe, then demons would be going to heaven. It's got to be more about than just I believe. Notice this verse again. But without faith, it is impossible to please them, for he that comes to God, he that does what? There's God, there must be action in our life that demonstrates our desire. Rod Parsley, about 30 years ago, made the comment that the proof of desire is in the pursuit. We can say, oh, I want that. I want to do that. But if you're not pursuing it, that's not a true desire. If we say that we love God, and we, then we should be pursuing him. If there's no pursuit or demonstration of pursuit, then that's a definite indication that you might say you believe in God, but you really don't believe because there's no action. Faith... James says, faith without works is dead. Another translation says, produces no change. But without faith, it is impossible to please them. For he that comes to God must believe. Now brings another level to our action. Because for some people, they are, they're in the boat of, I believe, but they're not doing anything that demonstrates their belief. For some people, they're into the action box, but there's no sign of what they believe. They are just doing what they're told. We challenge both sides around here. We challenge everything. We encourage you to challenge. I, I, I've never had another church that I've ever heard. I'm not saying there isn't. I've never had another church that I'm aware of that tells their people to challenge everything. At Hope Church, I challenge you to challenge every idea. Even anything I say. Don't take my word for it. It's what God's word Amen. says that makes a difference. And so we challenge people. Because some people, especially if you've been in the church world long enough... You, you, you can learn the language, Christianese. We can talk the talk and walk the walk and look the part and dress a certain way. It's getting quiet. Praise God, brother. You got to always tell where people are at because if they go to tell you a joke, if they have to look around... That's one thing I love about being honest and being real, is I don't have to know who's in the room, and I don't have to remember what I said before. I think people that live like a double or triple life, I think they're just asking for problems, not just from the consequences when things fall apart, and they usually do. We think we can get by with stuff, but it shows up eventually. But just the daily energy having to be spent to remember what you told somebody. I told you when I told you when I told you. Who wants to deal with that? I like the bliss of not having to remember what I told five different people so I can keep my story right. I just remember the story. He that cometh to God. So you got these other group of people that do stuff but have no meaning to it, no belief. No belief. 
And that's why we like challenging. Why are you doing what you're doing? Oh, it's what we, we do at my church. Well, why are you doing it? It's just how we're supposed to do it. Well, why are you doing it? I mean, we've gone so far that we've challenged things that we take for granted in the routine of what we might call the Christian life. And I've challenged people, don't do it just because the people around you are doing it. Do it when you get an understanding of what it's about. Even with your tithes and offerings. Even with your tithes and offerings. I mean, I don't know many pastors that will tell their church, listen, before you even start tithing and giving offerings, I'd rather you know what it's about so you're operating by faith and not just following the routine of what everybody, oh, I'm told to do that. Do you know what happens when you do stuff and you don't know why you do it? One, it becomes a burden to you. Because now you're carrying on the action out of your own physical energy. When you get a, a rhema or revelation about something, then not only do you have that direction, but God empowers you to do it. Amen. If God says, I want you to pray daily, when he gives you that revelation, it doesn't mean that you, you don't have to be disciplined, but now you have an empowerment from heaven to do what he asks you to do. If you don't have any revelation or any word from it, you know what you do? You're just struggling to make it happen. Secondly, you know what happens when you're doing it just out of because it's the right thing, because someone told you it was the right thing to do? All it takes is somebody to come down the road with a level of visibility and tell you, oh, that's no longer valid. And you know what people do? Oh, I didn't realize that. Now, James calls that, that, listen, that's a person who is being knocked around by every wind of doctrine. That means every different idea comes down. You're just changing it. Why? Because you really don't know what the word says. You're just following the trend. Right. And James says, when, a person like that, don't let them think they'll ever receive anything from God. Why? Because they're double minded. They keep changing their opinion. I mean, even, even in the context of tithe, the new offerings behind us. So we could just forget, you know what I mean? Don't, no pressure here. At, at Hope Church, we do things different. I know tithing works, yeah. I know tithing scriptural, but I know it. For me, and there's, there is one ministry, and I won't go down this too long, that I respect, I have listened to, and been part of their ministry for many years, that just recently came out and said, oh, tithing is under the law, and therefore we're under grace and not under the law. So you're, you're doing, he told people, any of my books that I wrote before, burn them. Well, what a cha- foundational change in thinking. Well, maybe he just found something different. If you, all you have to do... Just 10 seconds. All you have to do is think logically. Is, is tithing under the Moses law? Yes. But so is offerings. So is the Ten Commandments. So what are we actually saying? What should be, if, I remember a class that I just love, and this is the way I'm wired, that in college, it was a logic and language, and it was all about establishing an arg- argument, premise, premise, and force a conclusion. A lot of people just assume, you got to work out the logic, that, does that make sense? If, if you say, under the, under the law of Moses, there's tithing, we're not, we are no longer under the law, therefore we don't need to tithe. Well, let's change that out. Under the, law of Mo- uh, under the law of Moses is the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder. I am no longer under the law. Come on, come on. Come on. Right? I just don't want you to be robbed. If you tithe or don't tithe or give or don't give, that's between you and Jesus. But if you want the covenant of what God has for you, in fact, I'll go so far to say tithing is a part of every covenant, and I'll prove it. Even in the garden. Because tithing is the first 10%. And it's basically God saying, I'm your provider. I'm going to give you, I'm going to be your provision. But I'm also going to give you something that belongs to me that I want you to manage. Don't eat it. Don't consume it. What happened in the garden? God said to Adam, look at the garden. I've given you everything to enjoy and to eat. But there's one tree that belongs to me. I want you to manage it, but I don't want you to consume it. That's a whole part of the relationship. Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant. Abraham tithed. They gave offerings. Cain killed Abel because Abel's sacrifice was accepted. His wasn't. Well, it's not in the New Testament. Read Hebrews 7. It's in the New Testament. But it brings, so what the, the a logical thing should be in the Moses 
law covenant, there was tithing. We're no longer under the law, so we don't have to follow that specific, that specific understanding of tithing there. But tithing in the context of what it is and what it represents is in every covenant, even the new. And Hebrews 7 is very specific. This said the Levites received the tithe here on earth in Moses, but Jesus, who is the, from the tribe of Judah, not from Levi, he receives tithe in heaven, even though man receives it here. But how could he receive it if it, the order of Moses was for the Levitical tribe to receive it? Unless there is a better covenant. Study it out. Challenge it. Because if we don't have meaning to our action, we can be easily deterred by just ideas. But when you get a heart revelation about somebody, everybody could tell you, no, you shouldn't pray, or oh, it's okay to commit adultery, or no, it's okay to do this. But when you get a heart revelation, you live your convictions. You'll live that conviction. I was, I was in a conversation with uh, some uh, 20-year-old guys from a different denomination, and I was listening, and I said, listen, I appreciate the way you all think as far as, I'd rather have people have more convictions than less. My problem is that there's a lot of people with a lot of rules but no convictions. They do stuff but they have no meaning to it and they're doing it because someone told them to do it and so there's no heart revelation and take the person that really told them to fall to the wayside and their life is totally different and I've seen it. They would go, at one point, they wouldn't cut their hair or wear makeup, but let the pastor that taught them that fall in sin, and all of a sudden, not only will they cut their hair and wear makeup, but they'll be doing stuff they never thought they would be doing before. Why? Because their convictions was based on what someone said and not what God's word said. He that cometh must believe. There must be a revelation to your action. But without faith, it's impossible to please and breathe. He that cometh to God must believe. What must he believe? Notice this. Must believe that he is. Say, he is. He. I love this. And we won't have time for this today, but you ought to go throughout Scripture in the New Testament. Say, he is. he is. Now, let me give you a switch on context so we'll understand, I believe, more. Because some translations will write that he exists. And I believe that is a really bad translation. Because why would you be coming to God if you didn't believe he existed? Right? Logically. Have you ever approached someone that you didn't believe existed? So it must be more than he existed. Now, if I said to you, I am Pastor Greg, then you could tell somebody if they walked in and said, who's the pastor? You could point to me and say, he is Pastor Greg. I encourage you, don't ever do that, though. If they don't know me, don't send them to me. That's like giving your address to somebody. Okay. <laughs> so if someone says, where's the pastor? Just point to somebody else. <laughs> but, it, but in theory, in theory, in, in, in the point of the discussion, I'm not encouraging you to do that. In the point of the discussion that I can say, I am. You would say, he is. I would say, I am, because I'm in the first position. You would say, he is. So when referring to someone that you're not, you would say he or she is. He is. He that cometh to God must believe he is. Right. How do I know who he is? I need to find out what he said, I am. Come on. Come on. If I know who he, who he is because he said, I am. I am the good shepherd. I am that I am. I am the doorway. I am. You, go, you start looking at scriptures where Jesus said, I am. See, I, I begin to understand through the word of God who God says, I am. I am your healer. I am your redeemer. I am your savior. I am your deliverer. I am your shepherd. I am your protector. I am your provider. He even told the Pharisees, before Abraham was. Ah. He is, he is, it's just not he was. He, he's the first, the last, the Alpha and the Omega. Yeah. He even in Revelation twice, he said, I am. He who is and was and is to be. He said, I, he is the Almighty. He is in all dimensions. He is not going to be. He is. He is the great I am. And Moses said, 
Who do I say sent me? Because in that day, they, they, they represented, they reverenced God so much that when they came to the writings of God, they would leave a blank. And I can understand that. I mean, David would pen psalms that would basically say that he's a, he's a God without measure. You can't measure his power. He's beyond you coming to the place of, I totally understand him. I got him figured out. You could analyze him for a billion years and still find new sides and facets of God, of his goodness that you just can't. It, we have a, I, I mean, how do, we, how do we use words that are finite to define an infinite God? Words have boundaries. They have a beginning, they have an end, they have a very defined meaning. To describe someone who does, who you can't define by boundaries. It messes with us. That's why you almost have to laugh at some people because they'll fight over stuff that, that really, it's like children on a, in a, on a beach fighting. Instead of getting to know him through faith in the revelation of his word. And that one group I was talking to, oh, you know what the conversation came to? Do you believe in oneness or trinity? I said, let me tell you. Any way you define it, you're going to be wrong. Because there's the description of God. Oh, look, I'm, I just ticked somebody off. The description of God is of such nature. Do you know the Bible is the only book of, of a religious origin? You know I mean, the foundational book of a religion or belief. I mean, of all the different religions out in the world. The Bible is the only book that defines deity in words or descriptions that we cannot fathom with our understanding of our mind. We have to take it by faith. You don't believe me? Try God always existing, never having a beginning. Oh, yeah, I, I totally understand that. No, you don't. You just, you accepted it by faith, and you've heard it long enough that you think you understand it. But you don't understand it. You go back a billion years. He's even before that. Uh, uh, what about a hundred billion before? Never having a beginning or ending. How do you fathom that? He knows everything. The end from the beginning, and you, he knows what you're thinking about right now. And he can do that simultaneously. He can literally talk to everyone one-on-one -on -one simultaneously without being distracted by anyone. And he can do it all in the same moment. I can't understand that. I just take it by faith. There's so many things that we, we try to look super spiritual and smart is what it is. And, and we're operating with a context of dimensions that we can't. God is way beyond the three or four dimensions we operate, linked with height and time. See, I like all that science stuff. I like quantum physics stuff. It, science doesn't negate God. Science is trying to catch up to God. Oh, there's so much stuff there. I, I just love it. I just love it. I just love it. I just love it. Do you know at the subatomic level, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just having so much fun with you. We're just drinking coffee now. Do you know, do you realize at the subatomic level that some of the th elements they find out that when they observe it, it changes the behavior because it knows it's observed. Oh my God, that's just so, some, some cool stuff there. Now faith is a substance of things, the evidence of things not seen. Not, okay, we'll get back to this. It, it, we'll begin to try to fight with each other because we're trying to define God who's infinite in de definite terms. And I told him, I said, I used to love to debate and argue. I said, I can argue both positions. Lord, thy God is one. Yeah, but also in Genesis, he said, let us make man in our image. Who's he talking to? Yeah, I mean, there's so many scriptures that does one or the other. Could it be possible to be both? That's impossible. It is impossible to your thinking. I don't can Because Jesus is the expressed image of the Father, the visible image of the invisible God, Hebrews says. I don't want to go down this road too much. You guys are like, it's getting quiet. Some of you are like, ah, I don't know. well, are you a Trinitarian or are you a oneness? <laughs> I mean, how do you say that there's only one when Jesus said, if you grieve, if you blaspheme me, you'll be forgiven. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you'll, there's no forgiveness in this life, life to come. Separation. But there's still one. Are we going to see three or are we going to see one? You're talking from a perspective of your level of dimensional understanding. And you miss it. When they try to trick Jesus, he just looked at him and said, you do err. 
You do, you do err. Because they believe that when you got married, you're going to be married to the person in heaven. And, the, and they came to him and said, Lord, there's a guy who had a wife, and he died no children, so she went to the next brother. And carry on the name. But then they had no children and went through five brothers. And when they, during the resurrection, who's, who's she going to be married to? And he said, you do err. For God is the God of the living and not the dead. Right. Messes with people. I had to do a whole series on God messing with people. Malachi said that Elijah would come before the great notable day of the Lord. And the disciples said, Jesus, what about this verse? Before you were come, Elijah should have come. You know what I mean? Malachi forces that. Where is he? He said, if you can handle it. You know, you can't handle everything. Mm. Jesus even said to the disciples one day, there's many things I need to tell you, but you're not ready for. Right. My prayer is, Lord, make me ready to the, for the next season. I, I don't want to get to heaven and say, I could have done, gone 10 miles. I only went five because I wasn't preparing myself to be ready for that sixth mile. And Jesus said, if you could handle it, John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. He changed it all. To, I mean, he just totally gave a different perspective to it. Who do you think the two witnesses are? Yeah, people get all caught up in minor things. Let's get, get back to the major things about Jesus and reaching the lost, loving God and loving people. For without faith, it's impossible. So I think I, I lost some of you when I started talking about subatomic stuff, but sorry about that. Without faith, say it with me, put the verse on the screen again. Without faith, it is impossible. Look at the screen. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder. I don't know where people get the idea that the closer they get to God, he's going to make your life miserable. John 10:10, 10, 10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. He's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. Oh, he's a rewarder, not to everybody, but to those who are seeking him. To those who are seeking him. Those who diligently seek him. The kingdom of God suffereth violence, and the violent taketh by force. Those who are hungry and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Those who are seeking diligently, seeking, not casually approaching, not casually. Do you know that in the Psalms it says that he, he shrouds himself, he shrouds himself in obscurity. Why? Because I believe it means this, casual onlooker, casual onlookers, casual approachers have no right to see the goodness of God. Well, I'll go to church once every six weeks, and praise God, you came to church once every six weeks. But if you really want to get deeper into the things of God and experience God and get to know Him, then it, you can't be casual about it. Right. You can't be casual about it. In fact, the Bible tells us, let me read one more verse, Jeremiah 29, verse 13. And you shall seek me and find me when you, when you search for me with all your heart. You shall find me when you search with all your heart. See, if you're flipping with the things of God, you, you limit yourself. And I'm not saying, oh, I'm not going to be one of those radical weird people. Listen, I don't want you to be weird either. That's, being, being hungry for the things of God doesn't mean you're weird. Right. It doesn't mean you have to pray for every person you see. Oh, I thought if I'm going to be on fire for God, i got to witness to everybody. No, being on fire for God means being available for the Holy Spirit to prompt you to witness to people. Yeah. I used to live under the burden of, man, i got to witness to everybody. And then I came to the revelation through teaching of God's word. That, listen, it's more important to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and let, let your obedience follow the direction of what he leads you to. Amen. Jesus healed so many people that they said that you couldn't even write it in books because the world could not contain all the books of what he did. And yet he, he healed a man at the Pool of Bethesda. But the Pool of Bethesda is a place where people would come expecting to be healed, which means there was a lot of people at the Pool of Bethesda. So he either healed one or healed them all. If he only healed one, why didn't he heal them all? Maybe he was doing it because he was doing the will of the Father. Come on. See, if, if we don't have meaning to what we do, we wear ourselves out doing everything. And God's like, I didn't ask you to do that. If he didn't ask you to, to witness to that person, but to this person, then you know what obedience is? Doing what he asks you to do. Amen. A few more seconds. In fact, there's a scripture that Jesus said, in the, many will come to me in the last day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not? And goes through some amazing things. Prophesy in your name. Cast out devils. Heal the sick. And he said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I do not know you. 
And that used to bug me. But that word iniquity is where we get the, uh, where we get the word wicker or wicked. He's not saying what you did was wicked. It's a twisting. And actually, a better translation says, you who did unauthorized works. See, the devil doesn't want you to go to church. But if you go to church, he wants it to be a shell, an empty shell of, of, of you just going through a routine with no meaning. Why? Because all of a sudden, you're just doing what you want to do, and you tag Jesus onto it. Instead of saying, Lord, use me today. What do you want me to do? Show me what you want me to do. I've come to do your will, your bidding. I'm not going to try to make it up. I'm not going to try to imagine it. I'm not going to try to force it. I'm just going to enjoy your doing, spending time with you because at the end of the day, it's not going after things. Listen to me. It's not going after things. Let's go back to the verse. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And yet most Christians' life is seeking the things. And God said, I got the things for you. I has not seen ears, not heard, neither has entered the heart of men the things that he has prepared for those who love him. But he's revealed them to us by his spirit. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What hinders us in receiving from God is not, oh, God doesn't want me to have it, is we're caught up with the things and not seeking him. But when you make him the priority, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Make him. I'm seeking him. I want to know you. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Israel knew his acts. Moses knew his ways. I want to know your glory. When your heart changes, it's like, I need this, but I want you. I need that, but I want you. I got to do this, but I want you. When all we're doing is almost trying to please God to get something out of his hand, he knows what's going on. And he wants, he's already prepared the table of provision for you, even in the midst of your enemies. But you know, there's something about, I'm going to pursue him. I'm going to seek him with all my heart. Because at the end of the day, when you begin to go down this journey, you know what you find? Are you listening to me? You know what you find? And we could talk about joy and peace and all, and those are good things. We could talk about blessing and all that. But you know what you find? He is of greater value than anything in this world. Do you know what will help you not only get blessed but stay blessed? Is when you understand that the money God provides to you is not the most important thing in the world. You want to know how to be successful in a powerful position is when, you, when you're striving to get better so you can have those other positions. But when you realize that that's not the most important thing in the world. You want to know what, what, when you handle things well, when you understand they're important and they have their place, but they're not the top priority, that he is a top priority. Because even when Moses was taking Israel and God used them incredibly, and they were going to the, going to the place of, called the promised land, and God told Moses, listen, I'm no longer going to go. I'm going to have an angel guide you to the rest of the way in the promised land. God, and Moses said to God, God, what separates us from all the other nations of the world? Check it out. What, what separates us from all the other nations of the world? Is it not that your presence is with us? If you don't go, I don't go. I want you so much, Lord, that even in the fulfillment of a promise, I don't want the promise, I want the promiser. When you begin to say, Lord, I want the healing, but I even more, I want to know the healer. I want the, I want the blessing, but I want to know the blesser. I, I want to worship you for who you are. I want to get to know you. Because when you understand that, you can not only receive it, you can maintain it. Because he said to Martha Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm going to resurrect your brother. You don't understand it yet, but I am the resurrection. But there's something even greater than just resurrection, and that's life. Some of us, is like we have a bucket. We go to God to get our bucket full, and then we go off on our own, and the bucket leaks, and we end up one day miserable looking down at the bucket, and it's empty. Oh, i got to go back and get my, my fill, my fill. Okay, God, here I am. Versus realizing that he can not only meet those needs, but he can be a sustaining power. Yes. He which has brought you there is well able to keep you there. Yes. Why? Because we get the perspective of all these things. You know, if it's all about fame, and, and God's not against fame. If it's about just 
riches and possessions. And God doesn't mind you having stuff. He just doesn't want stuff to have you. If, it, if it's about all these things the world goes after, when it's about that, and if you get there, many people don't stay there. Because their gift will take them where their character can't keep them. Why? Because their perspective of what they have. The devil will tell you you can't get there. Once you get there, he'll tell you you can't stay there. But when you understand it was God in you, that he's the one that empowered me to be blessed. He said, when you're building your own house, don't forget it was I that gave you power to get wealth. Why? Because you got to, it's all about him. It's all about him. It's all about him. It's all about him. It's about Jesus. Let's love him. Let's love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, soul, and mind. And love our neighbors. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In Jesus, the best is always yet to come. There's no greater life than in Jesus. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We're done. If you bow your head and close your eyes, if you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not asking you if you heard about God or even go to church. Is Jesus real to you in the way you process and experience? Do you know that he's your Lord and Savior? If you don't, you can. Let this prayer come from your heart. Say it with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I repent of all my sins. I turn to you today. I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came to this earth in, in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me. Because I believe that, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, forgive me, cleanse me. Give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I ask you right now for you to make yourself real to me in a way that I know for myself that you're my Lord and Savior. I receive you today. I receive salvation. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen.